Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello, and welcome to episode 87. Tonight's show is brought to you by Patron Shenanigans and House Projects. Patron Shenanigans, you say? Let's dig right into it. (laughs) So, mixing things up a little bit and still getting... Uh, all of our ducks in a row over here for me. I thought I was going to be more set up than this, and I'm not. What? <laughs> what? Nothing. Why is that funny? Uh, so, patrons are Zach. Wait, so we can change our name here, and Matt has to read it? Question mark? Apparently, you can't use punctuation there, so Clayton, the asshole, had to type out the words question mark. Tom, Todd, Tim, Ty, Tennessee Zach, Scott, SCG Shuko, Sam, Ryan, Raymond, Parker, Orange Giant, Nicole, Nick, MTB Shenanigans, Michael, Leland, Kevin, Kenny Sucks, and that's S U K S, Ken, Jerry, Outdoor Media Groupie, Josh Wilfong, Josh, Jeff, Gene Grant, oh, fucking hell, <laughs> JC, Jamie, Green Giant, Gordon, G Man, F That Guy, Mark, Ezra Trilogy, Evan, Dustin, Brad, uh, Billy Single Speed, Bill, Bo, Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron. We have our Australian friends of... Hold, please. Matt's computer battery just died. Our Australian friends, Lead Out Sports, Josh from the Intesa, Dean. At $20 a month, we have Joe, Brady, Brad, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harley at 30 Troy at 31 and Six Pack Outdoors at 50 You gonna make it? No. I'm getting my charger. Oh. Matt's getting his computer charger. I, didn't, I don't have any fucking paper notes, man. <laughs> I, I don't know. I... Matt got a new computer, and the break-in period is difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you still have to plug them in every once in a while. It's really weird. It said it had 40% battery a minute ago. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. Who fucking knows? Um, someone else should go while I <laughs> find start. my... I'll, I'll start while Matt's getting his shit together. For the last week, I have not really done anything interesting. I have ridden the trainer a little bit. I've ridden outside a little bit, which has been nice. The weather is occasionally trying to be warmer here, but not quite. I mean, today it was just full-on rain and 40, which was, I don't know, it's kind of nice. It, it used to be terrible in Memphis when it was like that because that just it would be like that for weeks at a time this time of year. But luckily here, it'll just do that for a day, and it's just nice because... It's one of those things that makes it feel like your house is not going to burn down if there's a forest fire, or there's just less likely to be a forest fire, so that's always a good thing. Um, I don't really have anything interesting, but there's some interesting shit that happened in uh, or near Salida about, I don't know, three or four days ago. There were some people in a hot tub in Nathrop, which is a little... Two dudes chilling in a hot tub. (laughs) It was a man and a woman in a rental house. I think it was a vacation rental. They're in a hot tub. It's dark, and a mountain lion smacks the guy in the back of the head. And what I can imagine is that they had probably like a porch light or something. And so the lion just saw their silhouettes, and mountain lions are very visual hunters. So it just saw something the size of a human head bobbing around on the horizon of the hot tub and probably thought it was just a a rabbit or something edible and uh, tried to grab it, and the people screamed and splash water at it and you know the lion was like oh shit that's not a rabbit and kind of ran off and just kind of looked at them probably trying to figure out what the hell just happened and yeah they uh cpw set some traps but i mean given where a lot of vacation rental homes are in that area 
um, you know, they're they're deep into lion territory there. So it's probably, um, you know, if they catch it and move it, it's there's going to be another lion there pretty quickly. So that was I thought that was interesting. Um, I do want to put out a call out for some listener questions, but uh, they need to be a little bit different than usual. They can be bike stuff, but what we're going to do sometime in the next few weeks, once we have the appropriate number of questions, if you've ever seen the YouTube TV show, does that make sense? YouTube TV? I think no, because there is something called YouTube TV, but we don't use that. There is a great program or show or YouTube series. Yeah called Hot Ones, and if you've never watched it, I strongly encourage you to go and watch it because the host of Hot Ones interviews celebrity guests, and during the interview, they eat increasingly hotter hot wings, and they now sell these hot, they're not wings, they're like basically nuggets and some different hot sauce packs. You can buy that at Walmart or probably any grocery store, and uh, we're going to do that. But we need some good interview questions. And watch the show if you've never watched it because Sean Evans, the host, does a really, really good job of making interview questions. I mean, he is an excellent. There are so many times that the person he's interviewing, they're just like, wow, how, how did you know that? Yeah, it's, it's a and really, no really good show. Me that. And like the way he interviews yeah. and everything, is, it's just really, really good. Yeah. So we're going to do that. We're going to figure out a way to... Like ask each. Other. I think my my idea is that we do it one person at a time and video it. I have a program I can use to get Kenny's webcam video, so we could interview him like that, and we'll put it on YouTube. Uh, but that's what I want to do, and we just need your interview questions. So watch Hot Ones if you've never seen it. You can hit us up on our contact form on our website. Please use the contact form though. Don't send it to me on Instagram, or I will lose it. So web contact form on justwritingalongshow.com. Send us your Hot Ones questions, and we're going to do uh, a Hot Ones-style interview with the three of us. I think we need to make, like, you need to send an email that is question for Andrea as yeah. the title. Yeah, and Andrea yeah, that would be wonderful. Won't, then Andrea will, I will read it and, and forward it to myself and delete it. And do question for Matt, question for Kenny. Or in Slack, we need to make a channel that's questions for Andrea, and Andrea never, she isn't invited to it. And then questions for Matt and Kenny, that could be one, because Andrea could moderate both of those. But the I think the big thing is, is there needs to be no chance to think about them ahead yeah, of time. Yeah. That's that's a big... They need to be candid answers, is that the right way to put it yeah yeah i mean that's the that's the big thing about that show is that the people have no idea what he's going to ask they just know it's you know they probably have an idea that it's going to be a a very um i don't know he asks very meaningful questions maybe we should just get kenny to fire up the ridgey and come this way soon yeah yeah we could probably do that don't forget to go to justwritingalongshow.com and click on jra merch and get your t-shirt pre-order in. That will be running through April 3rd. All right. What else are we going to talk about? Well, there's lots of stuff to talk about. All kinds of new stuff is happening. Do we want to talk about stuff we've been doing? I don't have a lot to talk about, to be honest, so we should probably just dive right in unless you guys have stuff to talk about. I can talk about my stuff that transitions into new stuff. How about that? Cool. I'll go real quick. Um, I don't have a ton. 
I did set up the Ridgeline for the first time with two motos in it. Did a quick motor ride over the weekend. Everything went great. It was a lot of fun. It's pretty snowy, wet here, but we have one area that's decently rideable. Took a new a new person to dirt bikes with me, and they had a good time. Uh, Sarans are still really neat. What other updates? I think some people are going to start getting Stark Vargs soon, so that's really cool. Like Some of the press will get their personal bikes, if you will, like their review bikes. So I think that's going to be happening any day now, so that'll be really cool. And then I think first deliveries will start going to people like normal waitlist people slash possibly dealers by the end of the year. So we're still a ways out. Are you on the waitlist still? I am, yeah. Mine's slated for February of 24. So it moved up actually a little bit from, I think it was in like March or April before. So we'll see on that. And there's just lots of cool Emoto stuff out there. Emoto's like blowing up and there's all kinds of new Talarias and Sauron Ultra Bs and all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be exciting years. You got battery manufacturers coming out with new stuff. Um, Yeah, so exciting times for all e-things uh what else have i been doing i haven't ridden the kinevo yet that's slated for this coming weekend so i'll give a ride review of that i have a one-up carbon bar the kind of semi flexi one that i'm going to put on and see how that does so i'll ride the alloy bar first and then midway through the week i'll swap in the bar because i'll be down there all week for vacation and I will let people know how that goes and obviously let people know how the Kinevo is compared to the Levo SL. And I've got a Kinevo SL, by the way, not the full power Kinevo. And is there anything else going on with me? So yeah, we should have lots of stuff to talk about because I'll be doing lots of riding next week, but we will not uh, we will not record next week. So there may be some magic that happens. I don't really know how that all works, but we may not have a show for... A minute or maybe matt and andrea will record something but that's it for me as far as updates go yeah we'll figure something out all right what about you matt all right so i started my vacation on saturday i don't work for a little over a week which is cool um let's see so did some stuff around the house on saturday then road bikes with parker and michael franco and who else Oh, and Rob Kelly saw him on the trail. Kind of, that just happened. Is um, he a listener? No, but one of his friends is. Okay. Um, oh, and I just want to give a shout out to our neighbor Lynn, who just started listening not too long ago. Hey, Lynn. Doesn't ride bikes. He does. D- mm, how do I put this? Isn't the type of rider that you would uh, expect to be a JRA listener? Yeah, sure. He has horses. He rides horses too. I mean, he doesn't have like mountain bike stickers on his forerunner yeah that's he has a forerunner though so let's see where was i going oh road bikes with uh yeah i got done with that ride and my buddy was texting me and he's like rob kelly's sending me pictures of your back (laughs) i'm like (laughs) okay (laughs) so uh that was fun then we sunday i don't know what happened sunday what did we do sunday did we just do house stuff on sunday probably we just did house stuff on sunday and then Monday, I hung out with Troy, which was pretty cool. He wanted me to check some things out ahead of the launch on Tuesday, so I did. So I, it was pretty cool. Um, I don't know if Kenny's like fighting with her dryer right now or, <laughs> or, or what's going on over there, but um, yeah, there's something happening with the dryer. <laughs> <laughs> 
that dryer owes somebody five dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'll uh, here. I'll actually. Uh, I don't. One, I don't one care. Moment. It's well, it's it's pretty loud. I'll turn it off. Okay, I'm back. Sorry. All right. So let's see. Let's just start over on Sunday. Okay. So Sunday did some house stuff. Monday did. Went and hung out with Troy. Um, wanted to show me some stuff ahead of the launch, so I would be which which launch. Well, we're getting there. I would be prolific and um, prolific proficient. <laughs> Jesus, my mouth doesn't work anymore. It's been a long day with a lot of paint fumes. A lot of paint fumes and a lot of a lot of thinking today. You know, a lot of days you can go through like the day on kind of autopilot, and today was not one of those days. Um, oh yeah, you used the table saw a bunch today. Table saw and the miter saw. Yeah, you had to be on it. Yep. So I had the pleasure of standing on a derailleur, which I've never done before, and then I was able to install the new SRAM transmission onto Troy's personal bike which was pretty neat. So went through the whole setup process. Um, I had watched a webinar about this previously where actually Troy led the webinar and showed everyone how it worked. And, uh, you know, since I'm with my job inside that circle of trust and had already signed that NDA, I was, if I'd already seen it, no reason I can't touch it, right? So I did an install of his parts on his bike. You know, he just pulled them off and then I put them back on and uh pretty cool stuff then i rode his bike and my dick fell off just blew straight off Um, after i chased my penis down and reattached it to my body i installed new code ultimate stealth is that the name of them yeah Uh, i installed those on my stump jumper evo and also put a new shock on my bike so that was pretty cool yeah, I got a Super Deluxe Air for the Stumpy. And then I so rode have that you, yesterday. Have you ridden it? The new shock? Um, well, whatever. All the, all the things. I So I don't have any transmission stuff, but I rode Troy's in the street, and it was rad. And then I rode my brakes and shock yesterday. I rode the whole bike, but the brakes and shock were on it. <laughs> yeah. You just yeah. took Good the brakes and the shock to the trail. So what do, you, what do you think? The brakes shouldn't feel any different, right? I was running DB8s before. So going from like an entry level brake to a little bit nicer, you know, it, it has contact adjustment where the DB8 doesn't. So, well, I guess yeah, let's just start I mean, talking about stuff. So these new brakes, the stealth brakes, the big difference is the master cylinder is position, positioned such that it's like pretty much tucked the whole thing, like the reservoir is tucked right in tight to the bar, which means that the cable exit is also really close to the bar. So that's like the big visual difference. But what I'm seeing is it sounds to me like maybe G2s are just going to continue to be the old break or possibly go away. I wonder if they're getting away from that name. It's weird. Obviously, Guide is no longer a thing. Are they trying to get away from G2s? I don't think they had any official G2 issues, right? But what I'm seeing is the level break. All breaks that I've seen have swing link now. There is no XTR race style non-swing link lever anymore, correct? I haven't looked that closely, to so be honest. So I looked that close, and that's what I've seen, and I could be wrong, but it looks like everything has swing link, which is an interesting development, and it looks like they're going to make a level stealth in two-pot and a level stealth in a four-pot, which is just a G2 caliper. That, that looks cool. And that, there's no contact point adjust anymore on the level series, which I think is a wonderful idea. It makes it simpler. 
there's fewer parts, less things to fail and leak. And if you're fiddling with those adjustments, something's wrong with your brakes anyway. So I think that's a really good thing personally. And it looks like the code is the, it still has the little adjuster guy on there, the contact point adjust. And I like the contact point adjust. That's weird, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, and it's a code, but it's just a stealth version of the code is what I'm seeing. And then it looks like, at least as of right now, there is going to be an ultimate and then perhaps like a gold, silver, bronze or something to that effect level of tiers. And I think maybe they're getting away from the whole like R, RS, RSC situation, but the ultimate will still continue to exist. So that's all that I've seen just from looking at the B2B site and, and looking at some whatever pictures were on there. But maybe the pictures aren't accurate. I don't know, but that's what I've seen. Has anyone else seen anything different? No, I think that. That looks like what I was just looking at. I don't. I haven't looked at it at all, to be honest with you. I I have them on my bike. I know they come in ultimate. They're cool and silver. Brakes work a lot better when you bed the pads in. Did you not have your pads bedded in when you rode? Let's just say that that first corner on Rise and Shine when you're descending. <laughs> oh no, that one's already shitty. <laughs> so I was like blasting these grade reversals and like getting after it and feeling my new shock and then suddenly I pull the brakes and not a goddamn thing <laughs> so yeah that was pretty fun and what about your rear shock uh, the new shock's great it's great can you tell what a, what a like, solid can, review can you tell a difference between like what was different on the Fox shock that was there and the what was it a Fox Performance D I know it's not DPX anymore but it looks the like float DPX X float x whatever how did it make you uh, feel it fuzzy it made me feel funny inside i took some very purpose i did a very short ride i've been pretty tired working on house stuff is really weird you stand in all these awkward positions you do all this weird stuff my hamstrings were so tight when i rode yesterday that i wanted to lower my saddle it was it's it's not sensical but what does it do different I don't know. It's 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 got like a hydraulic bottom out thing now, right? Isn't that like the isn't that the deal? Oh, I thought that was on the I thought that was just on the coil shocks. Perhaps. Do I need to look? But at I'm the not sure. No, because I I want to talk about suspension like a normal person. I was just about to say, I'm not really that good. <laughs> I'm not really. If you want Andrew to talk about it like a Googled. normal person, I don't know. I bought the thing. It's supposed to be the best. Uh, did you did you set your sag on it? No, no I don't know. I, whatever came in it. Uh, I set the red. Knob I just to I just set it plus. at body weight and went for a ride. Yeah, I don't know. This is good, I guess. Uh, so I didn't touch high speed compression. Um, I left the low speed compression in the neutral setting. Four adjustments. No. Three adjustments. Three. Which one did it leave out? High speed rebound. Okay. So yeah. No one knows what that does. <laughs> it is bizarre. <laughs> so okay, that's cool. And yeah, I'll have to do research. So I don't know has, which one has, has that adjustable, or maybe it's not adjustable. But there's some type of like bottom hydraulic out bottom out situation. is on the coil stuff. Okay. And I think that that helps you. It adds progressivity in a hydraulic fashion to the shock. That's my understanding of it. Um, but no, I it. I, so the the low speed has four settings or five settings. You have neutral, and then you can dial it away from neutral. And I just ran it in neutral. I didn't touch high speed because it uses a tool. And oh, it does. It's it says the optional hydraulic bottom out kicks in to restrict the flow of oil within the last 
Well, shit, did you tick that option? I don't know. I just got the one that's spec'd for my bike, which is probably the smartest thing anyone can do. So, like, straight out of the box, all I had to do was put my hardware in it. It was tuned. It had the right size air can. Everything was proper about it for my bike. And Um, remind the listeners out there, do you have a Stump Jumper or a Stump Jumper Evo? Evo. I have a, so I call it the Stevo. It's the first bike I've ever named. Because Stumpy Evo is just a lot to say. Stump Jumper Evo. There's a lot of syllables in there. No time to talk, only time to shred. There's a Pit Viper commercial in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> so it just it works well. I'm not good at suspension, though. I know when it feels how I like it. And no one... Kenny thinks that he needs to touch my shock and fork, but I like my rebound a tiny bit slow. Or maybe everyone else just runs it fast. I don't know. But over the course of the ride, as I got to riding the bike a little bit, you know, the ride went uphill, then downhill. And at one point, I like clicked one more low speed click onto it and I, or one more slower rebound. And I was like, yeah, feels better. It locks out really well. The It feels really good in the chunk. Uh, but I, I did a grand five and a half mile ride with like 600 feet of descending. So I don't know if I'm exactly an expert about it yet. We want to talk about transmission. That's the. I mean, that's the that's the, the big one. That's going to be. I mean, truly, probably the. You know, not to stroke the marketing ego of SRAM, but probably one of the bigger things to happen. I mean, they're saying it's the biggest thing to happen, like on the planet. But like, you know, I would argue in bike world terms, I would say it's as big as true one buy from the factory. I think it's like on that same level, personally. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, like I mean, the. That- that definitely that allowed for changes in how suspensions were designed. Because but I don't think have it have a front derailleur. I don't think it's more important than one by. Like I don't think no, it's I, I don't think it's the most important thing in thirty years. Right. Yeah. But, but it, it might be up. There. I think a I think a great way to put this though is this is like one by V two. You know, this is like everything has been up to this point. Everything has just been more of what we already had you know okay you run a narrow wide chain ring you run one of those special clutch rear derailleurs and you you know you set everything up like normal and you just ride the bike right I mean, like that's let's set I mean, the, the stage setup is not exactly normal no up till no. now okay everything has been more of what we already had so that's like true you know we we got 11 speed or we got yeah, we had 11-speed one-by. Then we got 12-speed one-by. And then they put a robot on it. Like, it didn't really change, though. Wireless is really cool, but it wasn't really a difference. This is different. So um, let's talk about what is different now. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, starting I'll, I'll with the shifter, the, the shifter is different. I'll set the stage a little bit here. The idea is, and it's not wrong, is well, I'm going to take two steps back. One is it's interesting to me that people get upset when standards change, for example, yeah, like some standards are changing and things are changing, but like how in the world do you expect the bicycle to get better as a whole thing if you're unwilling to change things and change standards and make it better, right? Like if you're unwilling to, to go away from a QR, if you're unwilling to go away from a um, 26 a 20, inch wheel, a 27-2 yeah, bar, that kind of stuff. Like, by the way, it's been literally so long. Is it 20? 26 for mountain. 20, I, I don't even remember what the old bar size is. Like, that's embarrassing. 26, 8? 25, 4 would have been a road that bar. That was really 26, tiny. 26, would be a mountain bar. No, but there was, like, I thought a different standard for the small size mountain bar. Was it 27, 2 seat post, right? So we got, fuck, I can't, 
I literally can't I'm, remember I'm, that old standard. I'm literally telling you, and you're just not listening. <laughs> no, it's wrong. You're wrong. Twenty five four was road. Twenty six zero was mountain, and some goofy like French road shit was twenty six two or something. Are you sure? Maybe I don't know. Anyway, the moral of this story is I'm trying to set the stage of like sometimes you have to rattle the cage a little bit to make positive changes, right? Like you're going to have to make a big change. You're going to have to get rid of a front derailleur because they're dumb. You have to get rid of skinny bars that flex too much and, you know, headsets that thread in, that kind of shit. Like that, it's very nice to make progression and people need to quit being grumpy about this stuff. It's really bizarre to me that people get grumpy. People are like, I can't believe this doesn't fit on... We'll get to this, of course. I can't believe this doesn't fit on my bike. I don't have a UDH. It's like, okay, great. Fucking sorry. Um, not my problem. Anyway, a couple of cool yeah. things happened. So, so hold on. Handlebar sizes. 26 millimeter was a road size. And then mountain would have been 25.4. Okay, so, so I had close. It close, but okay. I didn't remember being I had the that right numbers skinny. The, that's the, wild. I swore it was in the yeah. 27s, but that's so crazy skinny. Anyway. 25.4, that's a full fucking inch, Kenny. Do you know <laughs> so, what I can get done with an inch? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so setting the stage here, derailleur hangers are really silly when you get to thinking about them. The amount of trouble that happens in the entire bike industry because of derailleur hangers is insane. There's a 10,000. Well, I mean, from a shop standpoint. There's 10,000 yeah, of them. Yeah, like stocking. There's so many terrible. of them. They're super fragile. This now re- getting bigger and bigger and more complicated derailleur in the back hanging down on a mountain bike that we ride rowdier than ever is on this fragile little noodle. Like it... It's really crazy when you think about it. Like, why have we not changed how this works? And people have tried all kinds of different things, right? Like, uh, you know, weird pinion drive things and gearboxes and all kinds of weird and wonderful things. But it still turns out a chain is pretty good. We just need to, like, really rethink the rear derailleur. And that one fella tried to, like, cram it all up inside the frame, which is cool, like, commendable that he tried to do something different. But anyway, this whole thing revolves around, let's look at a piece on a bike that is problematic and silly and let's just fix it. So it's just pretty cool that SRAM had the foresight. Like, they've probably been working on this sucker for a while. Yeah, um, when did UDH come out? We'll call it four or five years ago. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, pretty neat. So they uh, they did help things with the UDH. You know, great that more people are adopting yeah. that. But truly, the whole reason of doing that is getting enough existing bikes out there on this new standard that, boom, when we release this thing, it's not going to be ultra proprietary and piss everybody off so right. i don't know really cool i think there were some very smart minds in the room there that made that call and uh, i think they approached it probably in the best possible way for the whole industry and for the very very skittish and scared consumer public so that's pretty cool i'll stop talking for a minute and then you guys can kind of chime in with the rest of transmission and like what it is and what it means and how it works because it's a pretty big deal Let's start with the mo- the least interesting and then work to the most interesting. So least interesting thing, but really cool. There is a USB-C four hole charger. They're, I actually they're friends disagree. With the five hole I think forms. that's one of the coolest things in the world <laughs> but, personally, but I'm weird. No, no, hear me out. It doesn't really, how do I, when I say like, least interesting, most people are going to be like, yeah, it's the fucking charger, who cares, right? So 
But no, I, I'm I'm joking. Yes, truly, it's not that big of a deal. But it's nice that they have a four pot charger now. That's really cool. And it's wall mountable, so it it has mounting holes on the back, so you can put screws in the wall and like slot it onto the 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 screws and like have a little charging station. It's super cool, super clean. Next thing, everything is moving to a 55 millimeter chain line. So that means one crank set does it all in the mountain bike world. Doesn't matter if you have boost, super boost, what the fuck ever. Everybody's going to run a 55 mil chain line on an MTB wide spindle. So, so on that point, I've got I've got a question slash observation, and I know I'm not trying to get too off into the weeds here, but 50, this no, 55 man. chain line is really really important. Like people need to understand that. Uh, also, it's interesting is, and we touched on this in a previous episode. They kind of snuck that in. Scott did, and probably some other people. This 55 chain line, but you're still running. You're running it on old Eagle. So like that thing was capable of running way outboard already which is interesting. So it also kind of makes me wonder, can we get away with not running a 55 chain line? Again, we should do what SRAM is asking of us. There's a lot of, I mean, we, I've found out from fiddling with this stuff, doing mullet setups and all this, that like half a millimeter here and there make a big fucking difference in this stuff. Like it is, we are squeezing every last angle out of everything. And if you start fucking with it, it's not going to work how it's supposed to. So like, be aware. I'm more just curious. A, could we get away with running a call it regular boost chain line? Don't know the answer yet. Haven't tried it. And B, if you have a non 55 chain line crank, can you just run a zero offset ring? Do you see any yes. reason why that won't work? I mean, that it's just math. Yes, that's gonna that's I would gonna think get so you. Too. Like if you I just want wanted... to make sure I'm not missing something. So what's interesting is SRAM has now official new T type front rings that are zero offset direct bolt. There you go. Three or eight bolt. Eight bolt. Mm, that's not super helpful. Mm, yes, you are because correct. a lot of old cranks are not yeah, eight bolt. You yeah, are correct. Everything's uh, everything's three good. Bolt. Very very good point. So unless you had like a an old power meter crank that you want to not be power meter, but you want to run this new setup, that's about the only thing that it's going to solve, I guess. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that T type. So let's let's go back. Let, while we're talking about chain rings, what do you do when you make a mullet setup right now? Let's let's take transmission out of the equation. Sure. Yep. When, when making mullet, what do you do? Well, right now a big problem is the chain. The chain stays are borderline too short for it to work. Nope. You're and then you're thinking about geometry. Sure. But doesn't matter what rear derailleur you're running. It, this isn't how SRAM talks about it, but this is the easiest way to think about it. Your cassette. You pick a cassette based on terrain. You pick a derailleur that has a capacity that approves that cassette. Yes. You pick a chain that's compatible with that derailleur. Yes. You run an X-Sync 2 chain ring that is compatible with your crank set. Yes. Road use it. So if you want to use Road 1 by with like a force rear derailleur, you still run an X-Sync 2 rear derailleur with that flat top chain. This is a flat top chain. I don't know why you're not going to be able to run an X-Sync 2 chain ring with it yeah i've thought that same thing too and i found some interesting stuff and again this is all stuff we'll find out in the coming weeks as we play around with stuff and we start asking questions and sram gives their official answers and all this kind of stuff but i saw the very same thing so sram makes a i'm going to call it a t-type but it's their new chain ring it doesn't explicitly say t-type on it written on the ring but it does in the description it's their 104 bcd and it just says x-sync 2 on it which got me thinking 
Huh. I wonder if that's just an X-Sync 2 chainring. Because it sure as hell looks like it. The little like hook tooth geometry, all that stuff looks exactly like what we've been used to seeing on their X-Sync 2 front rings. So I they sure look like they're compatible. Maybe there's different widths. I, I don't know. I really, really, really don't know. I don't I believe SRAM compatible. would call something X-Sync 2 that wasn't X-Sync 2. You right. know, it'd be like X-Sync 3. But is T-Type a version of X-Sync 2? Like, I don't know. There could be all kinds of goofy marketing stuff involved. I really don't know. So that's really what we need to figure out is truly, is there a difference in the front chain ring on the T-Type stuff? Now, all the rear stuff, absolutely all has to be T-Type. That's not really debatable. Um, cool. So I think that, do we have any other... I know we got on a tangent with chain lines and chain rings, but this will become very important for people in the world. So it's good to talk about it. Any other chain ring thoughts? I've got some other ones. You you can run, you cannot run a bash guard on an XXSL chain ring. So right? other things in chain ring world is they're making a shitload of like e-bike chain rings and stuff and like crazy Broza integrated spiders and, and Bosch stuff and... Yeah, they're really catering to the e-bike world with this as well, so that's pretty interesting. Um, what else do they do in cranks? No one cares about power meters, so let's just move on. I mean, I care about power meters. There's a lot of power they, meter stuff. There's there's normal power meter, I guess you'd call it, right? So sure. There's three power I guess you'd meters, call right? it. Oh, I know of two. There's a left so there's arm the norm- situation. Yep. So a, a Force one. got a left arm. I think there's a Spindle Mountain one, perhaps. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. So Rival, that launched with Rival, and then we got one with Force uh, about two weeks ago, and then we just got Mountain this week. But are they going to keep but it's, the four bolt eight, the four bolt eight bolt, whatever you want to call that? The 104 eight bolt is probably a better way to say it. Are they going to keep that around? I believe so, because the the left side one or the the spindle base one only reads left side power. Okay, but then they also have the, I'm going to call it the XXSL power meter, which is still 8-bolt, but the way the chain ring affixes is not all one piece where you throw it away, which is cool, but the chain it, like, ring threads on. freaking threads on like a, like a, a lid of a jar. That's which hot. I saw that in World Cup coverage like a year and a half ago. By the way, like, I tried to take the-, the chain ring off. I couldn't take it off. I don't know how it works. Do you know how it works? Yes. I took no, the bolt I out. No I took clue. the locker bolt out and I tried to twist it the opposite way this instead of tightening. Like and I thought I was going to like take all the skin off of my hands and it would not budge. So I don't know how the fuck that works. Very few people are going to, like not many people are going to own what you're looking at right now. Yeah, I know. Is so, that the most ball in this um, power meter? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are the yeah, only I kits it. I bought. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I figure this. <laughs> I mean, at least where I am, the people that are going to buy this kit and retrofit it onto their existing bike, they're the ones that already have like a current S-Works Epic and they want the latest, greatest shit and they're going to 100% have a power meter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we sold a couple kits already. So then we talked about that. Chains, no one cares. It's just a chain. I mean- Well, they do care a lot. So let's talk about chains. Jesus Christ. It, a, it's the most expensive thing on the planet. Uh, and there's three versions- and have it, you bought a Kenny the most expensive thing on the planet? You <laughs> bought a fucking car recently. Did you pay less for that truck for than a you would couple? Pay? I could buy this my car for a couple of these chains. 
That motherfucker is a hundred and fifty dollars. That's for the XL. The normal one is It was already insano that it was ninety two dollars or whatever for a rainbow chain, and this sucker's fifty percent more expensive. Holy shit! All That's I big hear news. is poor. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, the, I the XO version, the look, like the black XO one is one hundred dollars. I don't like poor people as much as you, but like. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so anyway, they make three chains. They got the XXSL, which is hollow pins and hollow links. And then they got the XX chain, which is just hollow pins. And then they have the XO chain, which is uh, solid. all solid. Ugh. So that chain, well the, shittiest, the shittiest chain they make to make this thing work is $100. I mean, you have to crazy. assume that within the next... I don't know, year or so, that there's going to be a GX version of this. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, so but this, maybe not this for already a came while. Up. Maybe for like at least a year, I would think. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'm not saying like in the next, you know, this season even, but eventually there will be GX. But How SRAM, SRAM says, and I quote, this chain will last 1 million miles. So I guess you don't have to replace it. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. <laughs> Go ahead, Matt. What were you going to... Matt, I think, has a little bit of intel about GX. This question already came up on our patron Slack. It took two years for GX AXS or Axis to be released. So I'm not guaranteeing that it'll be two years or ever. I'm just saying, if you look at timelines of like, when does cool shit come out? When does poor people shit come out? <laughs> you got to wait two fucking years because it takes that long for the, the poors to not be butthurt about it anymore. <laughs> the poors. <laughs> I say that as somebody that has a bunch of GX axis. Axis. What? Uh, you just said as someone who has a bunch of GX axis as if... People with access are poor if it's not something other than GX. It says GX on it. Um, <laughs> like, fuck. Uh, let's see. Then, so cassette is where there's some cool stuff happening for sure. They they changed the last gear step a little bit. Uh, they went from 42 to 44 for the, I guess, in SRAM terminology, what would be the second cog instead of being a 42, it's now 44. And then uh, all the cogs are even toothed. Except the setup cog, which is kind of fascinating. I don't know like exactly why that's done or if that's just happen chance or if it has to do with, I think basically all those rings are narrow wide to some small degree, right? And then mm-hmm. everything stays synced up and timed. Yep. You are correct. Do you know, is there a technical reason you can think of or a technical reason that you know why the setup cog, which is gear number seven, if I'm not mistaken, do you know why that correct. one is odd, oddly toothed? I do not. I don't I don't have the foggiest idea. I've, but I guess I don't yeah, understand I don't... how that won't fuck shit up because when you shift you're you're synced up on the lower part of the cassette and then you shift into that cog and then I all, he- all hell could do... break loose, right? No, I don't have this from any of the engineers or anyone. I have a very strong theory on how it maps shifting. So do you want to hear that now or later? Uh I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm assuming it takes the the integral of the rhombus. <laughs> I fucking can't with y'all tonight. <laughs> Matt's on like a real short. His his bullshit tolerance is so low tonight because he's just been huffing paint fumes all day. <laughs> 
That's going to be a problem recording like, an episode like of Like imagine JRA. this, you, you, huff, you huff paint fumes for three hours and then you use a table saw. So like the amount of mental stress he's been under today, the mental duress is, uh, is significant. Okay, but you had so, a thought. <laughs> if I didn't like y'all, I would fucking hate y'all. So... In one of the presentations, it said that shifting, it seems counterintuitive, but shifting may be delayed in order to shift faster. And the only way that I can imagine that a derailleur that has no, well, the only contact between the the old beat boot robot derailleur and the old cassette guy is the chain. And the way that I'm speculating because I do not know how it shifts is it if you can imagine this is really hard for me to describe because you can't see my hands you press the shifter the robot starts pushing the chain inboard at let's say 10% of effort and when it hits the right shift ramp the chain begins to move and robot goes now and then at 100% pushes the chain over to where it belongs that's in my mind the only way and those percentages of course I'm just pulling numbers out of my ear but that's the only way that I can imagine that the derailleur has any idea of where the cassette is in terms of clocking with the chain I think that's on something and I think there's also something to do with the fact that there's kind of some narrow wide situation going on and even teeth so that basically an, an inner plate will always be where an inner plate is on the cassette and an outer plate will always be where an outer plate is yeah, and I don't know how it works, really, but that's just my speculation. I have ridden it, and I've shifted it, and it's absolutely bananas. It shifts so well. Do, I mean, yeah, we, I brought this up three or four episodes ago when we kind of knew of transmission but weren't allowed to talk about it. I'm, like, kind of worried that, you know, Shimano's going to go out of business. I'm not. <laughs> I don't think they'll go out of business. Like, their I mean, I just don't, I just don't think... So I don't think that they're going to have any of their parts on anyone's mountain bikes anymore. And obviously that's not true because this is only on the ultra high end right now. But like they're, I don't know, they better, they got to get their heads out of their asses. I don't care. I don't I mean, care because they I come want. come out with something. I want competition. The why they haven't. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I want competition, but I don't want SRAM to be so good that everyone else goes out of business. And then, uh, then SRAM runs the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully Shimano, I mean, they're not, it's, it's not a bad company and they've done a really good job in the past with drivetrains and mountain bike drivetrains, but hopefully the reason why they haven't released anything is because they're working on something that's just going to like blow everyone's genitals off. 13 speed with a 53 tooth cock. And it's going to have like an electrode that attaches to your head and you think about the number gear you want to be in and it just goes to that gear. It's going to be brain powered shifting. I don't know. Hopefully they come up with something crazy, but I'm a little I'm a little worried about poor old Shimano there in the corner. They are not looking they don't look well. Here's here's a big problem that Shimano has. Their new road stuff does not lend itself to working on any modern mountain bike. All the technology they just released still uses a wire between the rear derailleur and the fucking seat post. You oh, yeah. you can't it's, do that on a mountain bike anymore. I'm just so, saying there's been a series of like Maybe not amazing decisions made over there. I'm sure for a reason, but like it, the optics on it are not good. I'm a little worried over here. 
Yeah. And as long as they keep making pedals, I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, okay, so we so have we discussed talk, we, all everything lots of things. but the rear and the uh, controller and the shifter. It's a controller, Kenny. <laughs> it's a fucking shifter. I'm gonna call it a drivetrain. You're gonna have to get over it. Like this is not a big deal. You can't get mad at me because I'm not using your fake marketing terms right. Sorry, not sorry. Go on. No, here's here's something that I like just to give you some color on why I'm so pedantic about it is I really like to stress to people that their axis parts have controllers and that each with a certain controller setup, you get a certain number of commands and you can program those commands to do what you want. And that's the only reason that I'm so snippety about it. It, it has nothing to do with marketing. It's just someone's like, well, how the fuck would you even run a dropper post with Axis? Where do, where do you put the dropper lever? And I'm like, well, are you running road stuff now? They're like, yeah, I want to put it on my gravel bike. And I'm like, cool, you you have a are, third are most command. Of your, are most of your clients like crunchy old miners? <laughs> they're crunchy and they're old. I don't know. They're just... Oh, I, man. Okay, so we're talking about the... What were we talking about? Trailer? Or shifter, or the derailleur pilot. and controller, or shifter, controller or whatever the fuck bed. you want to call it. Where do you want to start? Uh, well, I guess let's we're talking straight. about we're talking about shifters let's do, pods. Let's do let's talk about those and what's different. They have an intuitive shape. They actually have two unique buttons instead of this weird rocker paddle bullshit that's as intuitive as trying to get your dick out of two pairs of long johns and coveralls in the dark so you can take a piss. <laughs> Um, it, for everything great that SRAM's ever made, if all of those original controllers fell off the face of the earth, I would not be sad. So here's what's really funny <laughs> is at first I was kind of bummed about those things. And, you know, I was definitely one of the people who was like, you should make some discrete button thingies for these. And then I, it confuses me and I want my old shifters back. And now that all I've done in the last three years is ridden the rocker, I'm going to say I am of the camp of, I like the rocker. Maybe I'm weird. It's super light. It, it it's, doesn't bother I like me it. anymore. But I think I would like the if I just if I'd never ridden Axis before and I looked at the two controllers, I would pick the one that had the two buttons. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a try. But it it definitely bothered me at first. It was very um, I don't know. Like I'd be riding along, and if I was if I went through something that was really chattery and bumpy, and I had my thumb in that little rocker area, like I was gonna go to shift and then i hit some bumps i would just rapid fire shift like five or six times oh uh, well i guess a couple of things i got that shit turned off for sure i've only got single click and i don't know that I doesn't matter say... when you hit bumps and you click it multiple yeah, times yeah i mean like imagine washboard and how your thumb would would vibrate as you go over washboard it would be like that like i would click it separate times what do you have for hands bitch mittens yes you're i like my for. rocker but let's let's move on uh, super adjustable. That's the only part of the system that is backwards compatible with current Axis products. So anything that you have that shifts with the robot beep boop shifter controller thingamajigger, you can run this. This is the only thing that's compatible with your current drivetrain. And forwards and backwards. So you can run rocker on transmission and you can run transmission pod thingies on your old shit. Correct. Then lastly, the old derailleur. You uh, take your UDH off, you throw it in the trash. <laughs> Is that in the? Uh, was that in the webinar? And so no. when you take when you take your UDH out of your frame because it's a standard, you're left with a hole in your frame 
that is a standard hole. You you put the derailleur in the hole. You put a you you put a bushing in the hole, and then you put your derailleur. Your derailleur straddles the hole. Sure, but yes. <laughs> I mean, if they're all derailleur parts, like when you buy a derailleur, it comes with all that shit. So you put your derailleur bits in the hole bits. So you you, you put some of like Stan Day. You you slide his bushing in your hole, and. Uh, you go through a certain setup process, you tighten the shit out of everything, and uh, you're good to go. No limit yeah. screws, no B-gaps, no fuss, no muss. So I guess the that's the two, you... the two things to bring up here are chain length is ultra fucking important, ridiculously super ultra important. You can't just like dick around and do whatever you want. You have to cut the chain to the right length because that is going to then lay the land for everything else down the line where the derailleur is going to sit in relation to the cassette all the things so you have to have your chain cut to the right length if you cut it wrong you have to get another mortgage on your house so don't (laughs) get it wrong uh what else about it yeah and then the big other huge thing is there's no limits and no b tension you just once you get the bolt the thing bolted on right with the chain at the right length you pull out all the slack and you tighten the big fucking bolt to a lot of foot pounds and then it's done. Can I address the biggest curmudgeon ar- argument because it was the first thing I thought of being the Go. slight curmudgeon, curmudgeon that I am? Go. So when I saw it, I was, and I saw the picture of Matt standing on the derailleur, and everyone has now seen that on the internet. I thought, well, if this derailleur is so fucking strong, what happens when you hit something and it doesn't have that derailleur hanger there anymore to break? Does it break your bike? And, of course, I asked our friend Troy, who knows everything about transmission, and he said it's just not a problem on modern bikes because they are very strong. And also along with that, if you start watching um, some of their kind of torture testing videos, the derailleur has movement uh, and kind of safeguards built in so that when it takes a blow, it, it takes a blow. Like, it's not transmitting. It's not just a stiff thing that's going to transmit all of that force oh, yeah. to your frame. When I stood on the derailleur, it fucking made robot noises and moved under my foot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's So Matt crazy. was strangling robots with his foot. So, yeah, so it, it, it's Joke's not... Joke's on you. I'm into that shit. It's, it's not... That was the first thing I thought of, and that's what a lot of people are like, ah, oh, you can't... It's you have to have a derailleur hanger. Or you're gonna break your frame, and um, apparently that's not the uh, not the. I really case. I just don't foresee it to be a problem. I think it's gonna be fine. The other thing to think about is if you look at this, they're doing some other fancy shit with it. Your derailleur doesn't hang down as low or as far out of your bike as it ever did either. They're able to do some yeah, special yeah. fancy shit, and it's now tucked way in there. So I think it's just gonna be a non-issue. Here's the other thing to consider for. Those of you at home that don't, you're not familiar with UDH, while you're driving, just go ahead and close your eyes and picture this. Imagine your frame is just a flat plate. That's the easiest way to think of it. There's a hole drilled in that plate. The UDH or the transmission derailleur, it, you know, it's two halves that go around that flat plate. Well, I guess a UDH would be one half on the backside, you know, and then transmission is two halves that sandwich the derailleur. Then you have a through bolt that threads into, like it slides through the outer half of that, through the frame, and bolts into the inner half of that derailleur. And then the whole axle 
goes through that bolt assembly. Like your through axle, the derailleur bolt lives around your through axle. So there's, you know, threads on the inner plate of the derailleur that the the affixing nut threads into, but then there's threads in the affixing nut that your through axle tightens into. So I want you to give me a scenario that doesn't include a fucking life flight <laughs> where you crash your bike in a manner that the inner plate of your frame, that inner plate that represents your frame, and your through axle get fucking broken off. So the here here's the deal. This is going to get broken just as often as when people break rear triangles on mountain bikes, which guess what? It does happen. Like people tomahawk their bikes and do all kinds of crazy ass shit. People break modern carbon mountain bikes, which is phenomenal. But I so don't will think someone, that will breaking... someone break this? Yeah, I think so. But I think it's going to have the same occurrence level as someone snapping a fucking carbon rear triangle in half. And then you have other problems on your hands. So Right. But when you talk about someone breaking a rear triangle, like they're breaking the tubes. They're not breaking that area of compacted carbon. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. No, I, I think it's like absolutely a non-issue. And there there is... They don't call it a hanger. I don't know what what their parts list calls it, but like that, those two little halves that clamshell around the frame—that's a part. You can buy that part. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. They you have can, spare parts. They've got they've got cages. They've got pulleys. They've got uh, bashy guard things. They've got linkages. Even like it's it's wild. Did you take a cage off yet? Yeah, it's insane. It's you can change the cage in no exaggeration, thirty seconds. It's really it's not cool. like the uh, X9 cage replacement <laughs> a long time ago where when you took it apart, there were pieces flying and it tried to take your finger off. And You literally just rotate the cage and keep rotating it. It pops off in your hand and you would grab the new one and you would rotate it back the other way and it tightens up in your hand. Yeah. And you I think if, it back if, anybody, if anybody breaks anything on this derailleur, I think it might be the cage, but it's a replaceable part that's not that expensive. And you bolt, you thread the new one on there, and it's like done. It's in, it's insanely easy. So I don't know. Overall, I'm pretty stoked about it. I'm looking forward to actually riding it in the real world. I think this is a huge step in a good direction for mountain bikes and technology. So yeah, pretty cool. I'm stoked. What do you guys think? I I think that we should talk about the TRP Evo drivetrain that came out. Well, was a uh, leaked, I guess. No, it was fully launched. Okay. The article I read, it's like they they gave us to show people or something. Like, it's not actually out yet, but it's a... Uh... I mean, the Pink Bike article had, like, price. Oh, okay. So. Well, there is also a TRP 12-speed drivetrain. It uses a micro-spline catapult cassette that is 1052. My favorite part of that whole situation is they made a drivetrain that cost more than Shimano and works worse. Yeah, I saw that and it was on my list of things to talk about. I don't know. I mean, I think it could be neat. You know, hopefully somebody can, I guess the other problem is uh, SRAM already has a very good, like GX Mechanical Eagle works very well for what it is. So like this, I'm cool. I'm glad to see someone else try to do something, but I, I mean, it's he's like, I want competition, but not money. like that. Like they should have released this. I don't know what it is. They should have released this during the time when Eagle first came out and you just had XX1 and X01 before GX was a thing. This should have come out then and then people would be like, oh yeah, it's like the SRAM thing, except it's, you know, it's more affordable. But no, they've they've yeah. missed the boat a little bit. It's weird. It's weird timing. I think it looks 
fine. And I think they didn't do anything too silly. And it's not like overly expensive or anything, is it? I thought it was like reasonably priced. Maybe it's not. Yeah, but it's not. It's not cheaper than Shimano. I guess my point being, if I was going to ride some kook shit, I would ride like Advent X or Micro Shift or something <laughs> that's actually like, you know, where a whole kit is 150 bucks. Sure. Like, sure. my point being is, why would you spend money on some kook shit that's more than some shit that we know works? Yeah. Who knows? I'd like, I'd like to ride it. Uh, it runs on Micro Spline. I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I touched, yeah, so the shifter's $100. Hmm, yeah, that's more expensive than GX. Yeah, $400 cassette, uh, $75 for a fancy chain, $40 for a GX level chain. Hmm. Derailleur costs $230 for silver, $240 for gold. I mean, you could get XT for that much money. I don't, like, you could get XT and have, like, four cassettes. So why wouldn't you just do that? I don't know. Yeah, um, that's, I, it's weird. I rode the original TR12, not the Evo stuff, and uh, I actually think... It was supposed to be pretty terrible, right? Yeah, I think I hurt someone's feelings, because um, I was working for Revel at the time, and it was on one of the rider's bikes, and at Sedona, I was like working on their bike, put wheels on it or something, the the new Revel wheels that just launched that week, and um, someone comes by and like, oh yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah, I saw that on so-and-so's bike. You know, I was putting the wheels on it. And they was like, what do you think? And I was like, I, I didn't mean it like this. But the only good thing I could think to say was, I was like, well, it's not released. And I didn't think I was supposed to see it. So I didn't think too hard about it. <laughs> Which, like, is a pretty underwhelming way of saying, like, it wasn't worth me looking at. But, like, yeah, the shifter felt like a GX shifter full of, like, sadness and old sand. Not even fresh new sand. No. I mean, all sand's pretty old. All right. Can we... We don't have a lot as far as listener questions, but I think we should wrap it up with some uh, rapid firing. I first want to go back to... We were looking for a 27.5 cross-country bike for a listener. Um, I did email him. We had someone message us and say his he's selling his wife's old bike. Also, we did have a message saying, look at the... Rocky Mountain Element, which is a longer travel bike. It's a 130 front, 120 rear, but the extra small comes in 27.5, and they do say that the builds on that are under 25 pounds. So I think that's in cross-country bike weight territory, and especially if you're looking at an extra small bike. You know, I think that whatever I was reading that said that was the weight on it, I'm sure they were talking about a 29-inch bike as well. So Yeah, I put some of those together when they first launched, and they're fucking light. Yeah. Um, someone mentioned that the new Pivot Mach 4 SL, which is 29 inch, has a lower standard standover height than the 27.5 that it replaced. But God damn, it's got lower standover height. That's really what the customer fucking asked for. <laughs> the customer said, I need a low standover height. They asked for a fucking wheel size. Christ almighty. <laughs> you know, I know you have also, good intentions but, here. But, hold on. We don't talk about Pivot's standover height because last time we were selling pivots as bikes they were measuring their standover height at the seat tube which is not where you stand over yeah. the bike so unless yeah. you're so remember that standover height doesn't mean that much and everybody measures it fucking different so like it it doesn't mean yeah. much yeah i know that like, this person meant well <laughs> i know they meant well but remember this person doesn't sell bikes the customer 
asked for a 27.5 bike. They did not ask for a bike with low standover. So, do I need to read that? Uh, no, I'm looking for... No, we don't need to read that. Oh, okay, shit. Okay, one more. This is from Brady. <gasps> oh, my God. Brady emailed me, and I didn't mark it as unread. I think Brady emailed me like a month ago. Oh. I'm very sorry. I'm going to... Ooh, you fucked I up. I fucked up. All right, I'll read this. While this Andrea is, reads that, I'm going this to... This is an easy one. Uh, question for Kenny. I'm doing some exploring on Google Maps and found this place, ATK Rocket Garden. And he sends a Google link. Let me... Hold on. Dead air here while I copy and paste this. Okay, so he says, How many times have you tried to sneak in since moving to Utah? I mean, seriously, how fucking rad would it be to see this in person? And it is... Uh, I truly didn't know that that existed. But I do know, so... It's like a bunch of rockets. Okay. something that looks like a big... Yeah, so... And I, want, I don't want to get the name wrong, but one of those space companies, you know, Northrop Grumman or one of those people, I don't remember who, they do a lot of, like solid rocket booster testing and stuff out here there's like some hill that they blow those things against and like do all kinds of rowdy ass shit and it's pretty close to salt lake city and it's right i i assume that's what this is it's like a remnant of all that stuff and they still do this stuff today which is pretty cool no i have not been out there it would be cool to there's probably some museums or stuff you can go um you can go oh, yeah, check there's stuff out but Northrop nope Grumman i haven't rocket haven't test facility it. is very close to that oh cool i wasn't completely wrong on yeah. the name Looks like they have lots of cool gravel roads out there that I bet you can't drive on or ride on. <laughs> but yes, lots of lots of cool stuff that they did out here. Very cool. So you haven't tried to sneak in there? I mean, I think it's just a museum. I think you can just, you just walk, walk around. <laughs> I'm pretty I sure. Know. They got like signs and stuff. There's like little children and stuff playing on the rockets. So. <laughs> okay. Are we done for tonight? Uh, I'm done. Wrap it up, B. Holy shit, there's a picture of a goddamn DeLorean <laughs> in the parking lot of this place. Are you kidding me right now? That is insane. Wow. Someone went back in time to see the rockets, or forward in time. Yeah, there is. there are two pictures on here in particular that are amazing that everybody on the internet should go look at. One is there's an actual DeLorean uh, in the parking lot with rockets in the background, and the other one is three dogs wearing uh doggy i don't know snow goggles or something in front of the rockets which is pretty hilarious and there's a sign that says please do not climb into the nozzle but it asks it doesn't insist <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you know how rad it would be to throw a string of firecrackers into that <laughs> it would be loud i'm gonna make an assumption here that that's probably the sign says not an actual do not climb. It does not say do not throw firecrackers inside. All right. <laughs> I'm talking about the one that appears to have its solid rocket booster core still in it with like the weird star-shaped thing. And it's like full of, you know, if you were to throw a lighter in there that it would go that it would go off. and. Oh, I just meant that big open tube and like the hell of a bang noise. Ah, uh, gotcha. I thought you were wanting to throw firecrackers at the no. at the one that still had a live. No, core. I don't. I don't want to die. I just want everyone around to be very frustrated for like thirty nine seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at a fireworks stand when I was in high school. It was pretty rad. All right. Well, we don't have to sit here and narrate uh, scrolling through these photos. So um, I'm going to wrap it up. Don't forget to go to justridingalongshow.com and click on JRA merch. 
and get your t-shirt pre-order in. That will be running through April 3rd. You need to like cut this out and put it at the beginning of the show before we totally got off the rails 19 times. I can do that. I'll just leave it in at the end and just duplicate it back at the beginning. Oh, the DeLorean was involved. Yeah, there we go. All right, everyone. Well, thank you all for listening, and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of here.